Welcome, everybody. It's the Craft Beer Republic. Thank you all for coming out. Yeah. I am Greg. I'm a host, producer, whatever you want to call me. Very excited to be here. Uh, so thank you for joining. Thank you to Jerry of Daughters of Ninkasi for getting this all organized. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah. And most importantly, thank you to Jen and Aaron for coming in on their day off like crazy people. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, I don't know why you're here, but thank you. <laughs> really appreciate you coming in on your day off and, and hanging out and drinking some beers. Our pleasure. Um, does everybody have a drink or is a drink on their way? There's, that's the only prerequisite to be here is that you must have a beer of some sort in your hand. Uh, so thank you guys for, for being a, a lovely audience today. If anybody has any listener questions, I think all the papers have actually been filled out. But there is a QR code over here that you can scan and ask, and they will be sent to my phone via magic. So uh, feel free to do that. Um, all right, now that everybody's got a drink, for all the people who are not listening live on the podcast, we are at Fluid State, which is my favorite beer garden in all of the area. You guys? Yeah? Thank you. Uh-huh. Mm. How about that charcuterie board? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> is there a better charcuterie board in, like, the whole Ventura County? Thank you. Uh, anyways. Right answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you all get your $20. Uh, and there's always fun beers on tap, of course. Uh, and you guys, uh, Jen and Aaron, just celebrated six years here at Fluid State. Yeah. yeah. We're close to six and a half. Six and a half almost. Yeah, it was like three months ago. We're, we're six and a quarter years in. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations on that. Um, before we, I'm going to get this music out of here because, boy, is that obnoxious when you're here in person. Uh, let's dig right in. So Jen, Aaron, co-owners of Fluid State, founders, uh, laborers, <laughs> pizza pimp, mm -hmm. head chef? Uh, exec chef at this exec, point. Yeah. Exec I'm not fancier. in the kitchen a lot, okay. so, uh, so I can't claim head chef, but I'm definitely still guiding the food and guiding the menu, making sure we're still staying in the groove that we've carved out. But you still get to do all the fun stuff like the testing, like, oh, do these toppings work? I will let you know. Definitely. Yeah, I'm a little quality control. I'll sit here at the bar and I'll order things and I'll get feedback from, from people that are tasting it and make sure we're doing the right thing out here. So it's a, it's a, in a way, it's a better position for me to be in. Yeah, you get to eat it, not make it? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like more of a surprise. <laughs> like, surprise, pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And Jen, what are you doing these days around here? Just like yelling at people or? <laughs> Hopefully not. Oh, I mean, not yelling at people. <laughs> yeah, that's the I goal. misspoke. Um, no, I, I, uh, was a career bartender for a long time. So my area of expertise is the bar part of things and I'm still the acting bar manager and I do orchestrate that beer list up there. Um, what the hell so the beer list? That, yeah. is, that is definitely my baby and will continue to be as long as we're doing this. But, um, yeah, I also have an office job. <laughs> I'm at a desk a lot. So, um, you desk know, with I, beer? yeah, well, Fortunately, a lot of that work can be done with the beer in my hand, so <laughs> that makes it much, much more pleasant. That is the way to do things. Uh, all right. I want to go back, find out about Fluid State, find out about you guys, your background, especially in the craft, but uh, the alcohol industry in general. We have some listener questions. Thank you guys so much for submitting some listener questions. Uh, but before we start things off, I think we should start with our first beer because uh, my whistle is dry. Yeah, definitely. You, so you picked out some important beers to Fluid State. Yeah, not the beers as much as the, the breweries, the breweries but the yes. beers speak for themselves. 
Definitely. So where should we start? I think we need to start with Silva Pills. Okay. Um, our brewery that we're talking about is Cheers. Silva Thank Brewing, you. which is a um, smaller brewery, much smaller than what Chuck was doing before. Chuck Silva is the Silva of Silva Brewing. He was the brewmaster of Green Flash Brewing for a long time. And he's the one who put them on the map and showed the world what San Diego West Coast IPAs were about, along with his fellow brewers down there. Um, so he was instrumental in that whole movement in San Diego. Before uh, Green Flash sold off and went through all of its things, Chuck had already decided, he and his wife MJ had decided that they wanted to uh, leave the massive brewery situation and actually leave San Diego and move back closer to where Chuck's from. I believe Santa Margarita is his okay. hometown. And so they moved up to Paso. He um, ended up finding this great little space and started his own brewery with his name. And he's the kind of guy, we love these stories, where brewers who worked for other people for a long time and um, really, you know, cut their chops and also earned their notoriety in the beer world, they get to break out and actually do their own thing for themselves. So that was exciting when he started several years ago, and we just recently figured out a way that we can get it to us, you know. So <laughs> he's also making wine. He's doing all sorts of things. But what we have here is his uh, West Coast Pilsner called Silva Pils. Aptly named. Yeah, fun fact about Cheers. Silva. We uh, accidentally stumbled into Silver Brewing like the first week they were open. We didn't even know what it was, and we were in pa- We're always in Paso. Like, oh, brewery, let's go in. And it was a silver brew. I was like, you mean like Chuck Silva silver brewing? Like, oh yeah, that's our that's the guy. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. Yeah, he's a legend. I've heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. Well, actually, and Chuck is one of the main reasons why I know so much about beer. He's one of the key people who taught me a whole lot. I met him when he was with Green Flash, and Green Flash broke into the New York City market. And I was working at a beer bar of note called the Blind Tiger Ale House in the West Village. And um, we became instant friends. And then we would bump into each other at conferences and things. And he's a wealth of knowledge. So I would just be the lucky one sitting next to him during some, you know, yeast discussion or dry hopping talk. (laughs) And he'd be in my ear. I'm listening to the guy on stage. And then Chuck's also adding information. Well, this is how I do it. (laughs) This guy's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So he's, he's a great guy to know because he's super friendly he knows his stuff, and if you ever make it to Silver Brewing and you get to catch him, I don't yeah. know. Did you get to see him? I when did you not. Were there? See, it was late at night. He had already bounced for the day, and I didn't even know what that place was till they told me. So, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, I did not get to see him. Yeah, he's but, uh, he's due for a visit here. He's it's been a while. Since Chuck, he are you Jamie. listening? Yeah. So let's talk about those pills. All right. So why did yeah. why did we pick out the the Silver Pills for today? Uh, well, this you know for obvious reasons, Chuck being a good friend of ours, of course, and so we. Wanted to pick a beer that was represented a certain style as well. It's a it's a West Coast Pils. Uh, he calls it that. It isn't. I don't find it to be quite as hoppy as like a Timbo or quite sure. as close to an uh, an IPA as some of the West Coast Pilsners. Yeah, I was just going to say this. Um, usually, in in this day and age, when somebody says West Coast Pilsner, what they really mean is a Pilsner um, made with modern hops and more, you know, fruity and mosaic and citric kind of stuff. And this one tends to actually taste like like a little bit more old school. Like a lager. I mean, it exactly. It's it a tastes- lager. It doesn't taste like an IPA that drinks like a lager, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. West Coast Pills a lot of times is like 
Hoppy AF. Yeah. It's like what you want your West Coast which, IPA to be. Just a smidge lighter. Which I love. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, but, it's great. On a but hot I day, also appreciate yeah. this. Yeah. You know? It's, no, it's also gorgeous. I wish you could see it. Everybody yeah. who's out there, everyone in the room can see how clear and, and beautiful yeah. it is As it in presentation. Be. And it's just super clean and a great representation of what Chuck's doing now. Yeah. This is delicious. Uh, thanks for sharing. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Um, all right, so we're going to get into some background of you guys, but first, let's get into a little background of Fluid State. Uh, it's been here, like we said, six, almost and a half years. I stumbled in by accident one time. I didn't realize that you guys were brand new. It was like 20, I think it was 18. It sounds like you have a pattern. Of stumbling. Where you stumble yeah. in right after these amazing most, places. Is open. stumbling the pattern? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in just happens. Stumbling is a guarantee. Uh, somebody wanted to do a little like, uh, pre-wedding beer crawl in Ventura and they said alright let's end at Fluid State and I said what the F is Fluid State <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of pizza and beer it was fantastic but alright so you guys like I said six and a half years almost let's talk about first the building you guys got like the coolest building in Ventura yeah we feel very fortunate with that so um, that goes back a little bit before we had found a building and um, I was still trying to convince Jen that she even wanted to do this because yeah. um, I'm the one that had, a, had the restaurant background and Jen had the bartender background, which had probably seen a lot of restaurants come and go and yeah. not work out. And so did you ever convince her? Yeah, here we are. <laughs> sort of. Spoiler sort of. alert. Yeah. Twist my arm. I fell in love with the wrong guy. Um, no, I never Ooh. had aspirations to own my I'm gonna own need something place. Stronger. <laughs> I loved, I loved working for other people. I loved working for establishments I could believe in. I didn't have to like go out in the world and forge my own path this way but then i met him and he needed to do it so um and so, apparently he's convincing so so um i was a, a salesman for ninkasi at that time so yeah i can be a little convincing managed <laughs> to get ninkasi into a lot of places around here at a brewery but that's another story we live right up the street and so um I, this building just kind of stands out and when i came in here to sell beer to the per- person the people that occupied the space before us I realized that it wasn't going to work. And so suddenly my... Uh, it didn't work selling them beer. It did, and, that didn't work either. And the yeah. business right. wasn't um, going to it's work. twofold. Right. And so um, I just decided I wanted to be in this bu- building, even though I really hadn't leveled with Jen on that yet, because I was still working on the whole, we're going to do this little small space, and it's going to be you, me behind the kitchen, you behind the bar, and we'll have like one or two employees, and it'll just be like a really manageable thing. That's how he, <laughs> that's how he got me on board, was but the sure. idea of not having any employees. Yeah, And right. I was like, oh, I might be able to do that. And then that place on Seaward we were looking at fell through. Yeah. Uh, that fell through and simultaneously this place closed as a restaurant. And so I dedicated myself to, to get this place. So essentially, um, my, my beer territory was huge. It got suddenly a lot smaller because I, I wanted to meet the people that owned this space. Right. (laughs) And so I was just doing laps basically every day. I was by here like three or four times. And finally I saw the note in the door and somebody was trying to take equipment out of the back and long story short, I finally figured out who the landlord was, made contact with them. The, the owner of this place uh, was Frank and Asaka Nam, and but Frank was our per- point person. Okay. And Frank was the it, it, well, he's passed away, um, but was this um, 
85, 86-year-old. He was 87 years old. 87-year-old. former restaurateur. Uh, opened his first restaurant, incidentally, in Manhattan Beach in 1959. Okay. So this guy was an old-timer. He was an OG guy in the restaurant industry. So he and I... He also says that he opened the first hibachi restaurant back before you could get soy sauce in regular grocery stores. Right. <laughs> it was like a long... He, he was interesting. He had emigrated from Korea with his family to Hawaii and then came to California to go to college and then stayed and decided he was going to open up restaurants. And then he was the kind of guy who then did open a handful of restaurants, wasn't a restaurateur after age 60, but had managed to buy a bunch of buildings. And so he, that was his, that's where he was in his life with all, the, all this real estate. But he had decided he really wanted to believe in the businesses. And so that's when Aaron stepped back in yeah. and convinced him. Well, so being a, an old restaurant guy, I'm a young restaurant guy. I mean, I don't feel young, but to, compared to him, um, we, there was some, some common ground there. And so we just basically spoke the same language, you know, not literally he was Korean, but you know, <laughs> but I mean like, you know, spoke that, that restaurant language and we saw, I think he saw that in, in me and us. And, and so he basically said, yeah, it's, it's a longer story than this, but let's just for the sake of brevity, let's, we just, he just decided we were the ones. And so that's how we and got this And it had spot. parking and it had yes. outdoor Yeah, you guys seating. have your own parking lot. And it had, and we have to thank the failed business before us yes. for yeah. thank spending, you, Rex spending the Rest money. Give them a shout out. Uh, <laughs> uh, spending the money to actually break through and do the demo to just expose what this building really had to offer. We had a full year of build out and we didn't have an unlimited budget. And so we were able to do this really on a shoestring, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Um, really strategic with the right contractor, but we were able, like, he's the one who broke through and exposed all the poured concrete walls and the beams above our heads and so much that yeah. we, we wouldn't have been able to take on this project if he hadn't done all that. So thanks to that guy. But, yeah. um, thanks for not being a great so we, business owner, but being a great, uh, wall knocker downer. Yeah. We were really yeah. able to come in here and focus on the things that were really important to us which was this bar, this horseshoe bar that Jen, Jen designed and I built None of this design is what was here before. No, okay. He really actually, the, he, yeah, he was good at demo, not good at designing a restaurant. No, Mac could swing a sledgehammer. <laughs> so we had the vision of the horseshoe bar so that it could be conversational. And, and we knew the moment we saw the building that we wanted the beer list to be splashed across that expanse wall to wall so that one of the first things you would take note of was the fact that we took our beer seriously. So um, obviously we have full liquor and we've got great food and people figured all these other parts out too. But um, the beer list, we wanted that to be front and center and it, and it is. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're so into the beer that you even have a sign that says the last time the lines were cleaned. Yeah. Beer nerds love that. That's, yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> that's fantastic. I do have to give a shout out to Corey Thomas, the guy that was our contractor during okay. the whole thing. He just kind of got our vibe and he, he was actually the one that came up with the idea of those beer signs. Oh. So we, we didn't, you know, you've seen, you've, you've seen every beer sign imaginable. Right. They're, they, they exist already. And so to do a unique beer sign, it's actually really hard to figure out. Yeah. And, and it was, that was 100% Corey's idea. So thank yeah, you, Corey. we knew where we wanted it, but we didn't want to cover up all that beautiful wood right. once he finally, like, 
figured out this technique. But the whole the whole design of this place was really a creative brain trust between Aaron and Corey. I have an art background and everything, but sometimes you can have too many cooks spoiling the broth. And I just was like, okay, you guys speak a language and you're figuring this out. So I would come in and say, yes on that, no on that, and just let them go. And it turned out like this. We're so proud of it. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. And this is in a, yeah, give it up. And the building is a is a registered landmark. Yes, I mean, it is. It's a, built in like the 30s, I think. It was an 1930s. old insurance building. Yeah. So it, like a bank, it had a safe. People think it was a bank, but it was back when. It looks when, like a bank, yeah. yeah it, was, it was back when all the insurance uh, policies were on paper records, and so they had to be kept in a safe. So we have a basement here, which is, of course, kind of crazy for California, and we even have a mezzanine. I mean, it's like, it's a big building. And um, yeah, the, the thickness of the concrete around the area where most people order is because that was the former safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay. just sort of. Yeah, it's, it's very stable. It's a very safe building, as we found out. We found out a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Thomas Fire and earthquakes and yeah. all the things that have befallen us. This building, in fact, when during the earthquake, these lights didn't even sway at all. It was just like... Everything just kind of stayed together as a unit. So it survived Hurricane 2023. If there's any natural disasters, run to Fluid State, get a beer, and you'll be fine. Yeah. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> so I know you had another place lined up as a smaller place, mm-hmm. no employees. Sorry, employees. Um, <laughs> what really drove sort of not just the visual design, but the design of the menu and the beer? Was it, oh, we got the building, now here's our idea? Or was it, here's our idea, let's find the building? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in fitting your concept to a certain degree to the building itself. I think, the, I think buildings actually speak. And so um, spaces speak. And so I think it's a big mistake to force a concept into a building where it doesn't fit and there's no flow. And so we, our initial concept wasn't too dissimilar to this, just a lot less. You know, it had it was like it was going to yeah. be edgier because it, it was yeah, going to be down. It was going to be called Hail Gluten. Um, <laughs> so that you know, yeah. and then we get this building, the and devil. the first thing was like, we've got to start filling out paperwork, and this is not a Hail Gluten. This isn't a Hail Gluten. Like we got to come up with something else. <laughs> and so we had to like go to our computers and spend an afternoon um, just digging for ideas, and then we came across a list of physics terms. And fluid state came from that list. And it was like, gosh, this sounds good. And then I was a little concerned that it was so focused on the liquid that it wasn't like honoring what Aaron was going to do with the food and the pizza. And so I kind of was like, yeah, it's too bad it's not just a bar. That would be a good name. And um, the next morning uh, we woke up and he's like, you know, I've been thinking about what we were talking about. I really liked fluid state. And I, and I was like, are you sure? And he's like, no, I think they're going to figure it out with the food. I don't think we have to, like, mention the food in the name. And he's right. I mean, sometimes, to our dismay, our food sales <laughs> keep going up and up and up. <laughs> and, um, and yet, yeah, they figured that part out. And we can, like, embrace the fluidity of the name Fluid State. Do you find that more people come in expecting to get beer and then, hey, there's food? Or is it the other way around? I think it it started like that for sure. Um, Our sales were like initially like 75% (laughs) beverages and and like 25% food. And now it's about 50-50. Okay. You know, and that's changed. That's been gradually changing over time. We kind of hope it stays 50-50, you know, somewhere around there. We're okay As people that. see the pictures of the charcuterie board, I though, know. it's going to Yeah, it's, it's a problem. And the wings are. <laughs> give me those wings. But I like, I, 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 we're both like-minded on this. We like 
things that aren't completely obvious up front that, you know, it's, it's fun to us when people have to kind of figure it out a little bit. And it, there's, then they've got a little bit, uh, a little dog in the hunt, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like, what's going on here. It says fluid state. It says nothing outside other than that. And they walk in, they see the beer and then all of a sudden they, they look at the menu and they say that we have full liquor and our margaritas are good. And so it's like, they you see know, a pizza, go yeah, out, a pizza walks and by and they're like, holy crap. So yeah, we, I, I kind of like that where it's just not, not just handed to you on a silver platter. You got to do a little work. Right. You know, I, I remember the first time I was here, I ordered, I came into what I ordered. And then, like, somebody came out with their pizza, and I was like, I ordered wrong. Like, <laughs> hold on. Let's redo this. I'm drunk enough. Let's said. get more food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we, we touched on this a little bit. You guys both have unique backgrounds that really play well into this. Aaron, you salesperson for Ninkasi. Yeah. Which back when, like, Ninkasi was huge. Right. I mean, they were – It's I guess it was before everybody had a craft brewery. Yeah, that was my first salesman gig. Um, I, I don't have a background in sales at all. The for me, Ninkasi was a was a great opportunity for me to do something I'd never done before. Working for somebody that I knew, that um, let's be honest, uh, the job compared to the job of owning restaurants is incredibly easy. And uh, so it was kind of like a three year vacation for me, to be honest with you. You know, I I could go outside. I was like everybody's best friend. I had beer in my truck. I, I'd show up to bars and buy people beers and just you know have a just have a great time. All the it's time. a write off. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> And so I had a great time with it and I ran it like it was an actual business because I had a business background. And so I was pretty successful in this area in spite of my lack of sales experience. Um, I think that actually worked in my favor. I didn't come off, you know, salesmanship. Right, used car sales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But previous to that, I had a restaurant in, um, up in Santa Cruz County in Aptos um, called Smoke Barbecue. And it basically was a wood-fired pizza or wood-fired restaurant. So I did barbecue, I did wood-fired pizza, I did everything cooked with fire. He did a lot. I did a lot. The, the menu was um, ridiculous. It was my first restaurant, my first bricks and mortar restaurant. I did things before that, but um, I did. I made all the mistakes. I mean, I got like a PhD in what not to do with that thing. He was <laughs> shucking oysters. Yeah. Oh. We were cutting steaks. We were cooking brisket. We were doing. I looked at the menu was when nonsense. he handed it to me because I never got to go to smoke. We didn't yeah. know each other then, but um, I looked at it. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me <laughs> this is just a recipe for prep kitchen disaster yeah and it was a little spot it was, was like the not- cheesecake factory menu yeah just worse yeah. than that yeah. <laughs> just a foam a much smaller kitchen yeah <laughs> i'm sure it all was really delicious you know and that's why he couldn't cut back because there were fans of everything well we we opened uh opened during the first downturn in the economy it was like 2008 2009 and um, immediately, while other restaurants were going out of business, there was a line out the door, and it was really popular. Uh, but I just didn't know how to run a restaurant, and I didn't know how to, like, from the very beginning, I hired all the wrong people. I had friends and family. I was just like, you know, never made any money at it. Um, but I ended up uh, learning a lot and kind of dusting myself off, taking that salesman job, and then crafting this idea, which eventually became Fluid State. But he also was making pizza before. I was, yeah. So I've got 20-plus years in the pizza game. Um, I've done... I, my friend of mine, years and years ago, a friend of mine and I um, built a wood-fired pizza oven trailer, and we'd oh. go around to um, winery pickup parties. This is like the early 2000s, and do wood-fired pizza and do fun stuff like that. And so, you know, I've just had a love of pizza. I've figured out my own dough recipe back before the internet was very, you know, prolific with recipes and YouTube videos. It right. didn't exist. So you had to kind of figure it out. I'm, I'm also hearing that you need to have more barbecue here. 
Yeah. Come on. Not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> once a year, we do fire we up do. the grill. We do occasionally do it. We do tri-tip. But um, the thing about, this is another thing I learned, you know, barbecue is, I love it. I'm, I'm passionate about it, but uh, it's the highest, everything's high food cost. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard to make money at that. And it's not that I'm money hungry, I'm, you know, but. Um, but you're also not, you not got, money hungry. Well, you got you to gotta have a sustainable business you know, to stay, stay alive. And so right. in order to make money in barbecue, you have to charge a lot of money for it. And historically people aren't willing to pay a lot of money for something called barbecue. <laughs> you know, if you're at, if you're at challenge some, accepted, if, if you're at a fancy steakhouse and you get a steak for, for a hundred bucks, it's like, okay, you know, like, you know, like I, this makes sense to me. Yeah. But if you're getting some sweaty guy in black gloves carving, carving brisket you're like yeah i don't know about that some people pay extra for that <laughs> right I mean, fair enough just now they do but back in 2008 not so much in yeah. california so anyway well, well let me know when you have your barbecue day please <laughs> um all right before we i want to find out about you you have a lot of bartending background and consulting but before that let's move on to the next beer okay what are we what are we sampling next so this is um kind of a new a new crush of ours everywhere brewing company they are in anaheim and they're fairly new, although the owners and the brewer brewers are not new. And this yeah. kind of goes back to our philosophy on why we choose breweries. Um, these guys all have a pedigree. You know, um, these guys all came from, many of them came from uh, the brewery. Um, in fact, there's a whole bunch of breweries that have just recently yeah, popped up. Radiant. Radiant, and, of course. Yeah. And they're all incredible, yeah. you know. And so these guys, you know, cut their chops in a, a legit brewery um, and probably other legit breweries before that. When we're choosing new breweries, we're always trying to find out um, what's, the, what's the lineage of the brewer and the owners? Where do they come from? And that usually helps us kind of move the needle to go check them out. This particular beer is one immediately when I tasted it, I fell in love with because I feel like what's been happening with there's you could probably speak a little better to this. The whole the whole trajectory of IPAs in general <laughs> Um, I'm going to hand it over to Jen. The IPA rainbow. There has obviously been an evolution. One of the things that we have, most of us in this room who are paying attention to beer, um, have noticed is how IPA has changed. Because IPA, once you get the IPA palette, you kind of pay attention, even if you don't always drink an IPA. It's interesting because there's always something new happening with IPAs. Um, whether it's a new processing of hops or a new technique or a new brewery that's just kind of got a different angle on it yeah um so we i aaron and i agree are in the <laughs> i mean i'm sure people listen from all over but a southern california is just killing it and california in general um and we have seen this incredible evolution in southern california um of ipas you know we go back to chuck silva and what they what the IPAs were that gained his you know for him to gain his notoriety, they didn't look or taste anything like this. Mm-hmm. What we're drinking now, um, they were often much more amber in color. They're more like that beer. Right? Yeah, yeah well, they look like that. And exactly. Yeah. You're, we're pointing at a beer that nobody can see on a podcast, but this is um, for the people here. Just, I think people know what I'm talking about when you know, like you get an IPA show. and it was it had different malts, a whole different yeah. malt bill. It would, they'd often be kind of a caramely color. They'd almost look like an amber. And often they would go really just for the bitterness. Obviously, that was a competition in the world. Like, who could make the most bitter beer? Strip that enamel off um, your teeth. Exactly. And, and then 
you know, just like all the, you know, the palates all changed of the brewers too. And there was just this dabbling and like, what if we lighten this up? Well, I think, I think also if you would agree that, um, part of the reason why West coast IPAs changed was the, um, the introduction of hazy IPAs to, to the IPA scene. It happened before that. Well, it wasn't happening as much until hazy IPAs. They weren't. They didn't know. No West Coast IPA looked and tasted like that until hazy IPAs came along. And I think brewers realized, oh, we're kind of alienating people on their palates with these giant double IPAs that are so bitter that you just can't drink more than a, more than one or two of them. And so the style kind of kind of shifted a little bit to where now West Coast IPAs, the best ones as far as we're concerned out there, are focused way more on the flavor of hops, not so much on the bitterness of hops. Mm-hmm. And they're the much balance. M- the balance, and they're much much more ses- sessionable. Yeah, and the and they look more like a pilsner a they lot do. of times than they do an amber ale. And so, just for you guys that are drinking along, um, this is this beer is is called Must Be the Feeling. It's a West Coast IPA from everywhere. Um, and I misspoke. These guys are from Orange, not Anaheim. I'm not sure. You know, I don't live Orange down County. there. So. Yeah. Fair enough. But um, five feet away from Anaheim. The thing I love about this beer is that um, so it has some new school hops in it. Obviously, you can ta- you can smell and taste hopped with Mosaic, Mosaic, Incognito, New Zealand, Cascade, Simcoe and Southern Cross. So, you know, Cascade and Simcoe, those have been used in IPAs for a very long time. Right. So what this beer is for me, it's just this perfect representation of that new school West Coast IPA, but it's like it's like an homage to the IPAs that came before, and it's got enough of that old school hop character to where it for me as an old old beer drinker, I'm like, oh okay, you know, I, that's 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 kind of neat. And it's almost like a full circle thing. What's happening yeah. now? There's I'm noticing that we're both noticing that tickles the West Coast fancy, but Ex- still balanced. Exactly. And the thing about these new West Coast IPAs too is that. They are, because of what Aaron was talking about, not going for the bitterness the same way and, you know, trying to be more drinkable. It means that it doesn't take as long. And this is just from my history, you know, serving people. It just doesn't take as long for people to get a palate for hops when the beers are like this. Yeah. Because it isn't trying to challenge you. It felt like you were fighting, like you were like, oh, you have to get to this point. I mean, I read an amazing article in The New Yorker many years ago about the human palate. And one of the things that stuck stuck with me because I'd been selling beer for so long, even at that point, was that, you know, the idea of embracing sourness and bitterness as pleasurable flavors, that goes against our base survival instincts, right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, like your, your sugar is something that babies love, you know, immediately because it's just quick energy. And so like people, I would watch people go for like, they go from bud, you know, to something kind of similar and then maybe lean into like some roasty things or some chocolatey things or some sweeter things and then kind of had to slowly back into hops. And this is before there were even sour beers that could challenge us in that way. I mean, they were existing, but not in the United States really. And so, you know, now... It's interesting because there's so many people who just get into IPA right away. And it kind of blows my mind mm-hmm. on one level since it always was like one of those things you had to work towards. And you don't anymore. But part of it is because they're breweries like this who are doing beer yeah. that is so balanced and beautiful and showcasing a flavor that's actually really pleasant without trying to just overwhelm you with bitterness. I think the perfect example is I've been with my wife for 10 years now. I used to not have to worry about the IPAs in my fridge. 
Now I do. <laughs> yeah. Now they disappear sometimes. Yeah. And I have questions. But yeah, it's, a real, it's a real problem in my house, too. Oh, yeah. Our biggest fights are over don't drink my beer. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about, Jen, let's talk about your background. First of all, I did some digging and I discovered that you were a runner up for 2013 <laughs> Beer Drinker of the Year. Yes, I was. Is that a real thing? And people, people, when they asked me, they were like, She's mine. was that quantity <laughs> of beer? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, anyone who really knows me and drinks with me knows that, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a superhero that way. But um, no, that was a really interesting contest that I think might still exist. But it goes back to my very, very first days in this industry because my first job in both the restaurant world um, and in the beer world, that, that was all a simultaneous start to two careers of mine. Um, and that took place in 1992 when I moved to Denver and I got a job as a cocktail waitress at the Wingcoop Brewing Company, which is a, a, a huge old mercantile building. Another really cool building that was turned cool into yeah. a, an amazing brew pub, the kind of place where the beer wasn't all that great. To Still tell you isn't. the truth, um, yeah. yeah, not the best in Colorado. Cool spot though. But the near the stadium, the, it was the place where you had to take your friends who were in town. Yeah, you know, like that was the. It was a destination. It was just gorgeous. So I I fell in love with the beer world in Colorado um, because it was such a great community of people, and they were all so supportive of each other, and they actually were making a product with their own hands, paying attention to their craft, and making it predominantly for their neighbors. So it was just something really fascinating to me on a human level. Um, and then, so I got my start in all of this and had moved 20 years beyond that through my trajectory. <laughs> and then in 2013, exactly 20 years later, I had been pestered by a bunch of beer geeks in New York, like, Jen, you need to like write the essay. You need to like put yourself up for the, for beer drinker of the year. You'd be great. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. I don't need accolades for beer geekery, enough people know. Um, and yet that year, it kind of made sense because I had had the opportunity to do some fascinating beer things. It was more about beer experience in the year before, and I had been invited to um, brew a batch of beer with Jean Van Roy from Cantillon in Brussels. I had gone and been in the catacombs of Schlenkerlaw um, in Bomberg. Wow. And so I, and I had just, I, I'd been on the skunk train. I think that was the year. It was just, there was all this stuff I'd done. And with Lagunitas, that was their, their party. I'd done so many things. And it was the 20 year anniversary of the Wing Coop, who happened to be the sponsors of this contest. And so <laughs> it gave me, you know, it kind of made me feel like I'd come full circle. And I wrote the essay, and, you know, I, I was a shoe in. I knew I was. So. Um, they blew me out to Denver, put me like up in the robbed. Brown Palace, which is an amazing hotel. Um, they gave me a stipend, and I got oh. to see a bunch of friends in Colorado, and then I got to put on a show, which is basically what that was. So, yeah, I came, I was the runner-up, and I lost to one of my regulars at the Blind Tiger, <laughs> this guy named Warren, who he wanted it so badly, and he'd come in close a couple times. And when I came in second, even though I do think I might have earned the title myself. Um, I was happy for him. So it's okay. I'll take second place. That's fine. <laughs> You're first in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Come on. 
But beyond that, you've you've been bartending for for quite a while, right? Yeah, I was. I um, you you started in Denver, I think. Denver in '92 as a waitress, but yeah. I was uh, I went to North Carolina for a couple of years, and what's wow. that, funny about that in the beer world is now North Carolina Jeez. is like oh it's a mecca like and San it, Diego East. We went for the beer industry, and there was nothing going on, <laughs> and so it was I was I moved for a boyfriend who um, is still a dear friend of mine who was selling beer back then, and um, he has a type, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> chefs and, and beer sales guys, um, so. Uh, Good looking beer dudes. Yeah. And um and then but I didn't belong in the South. That's all I need to say about that. So I um Ditto. I had had an idea about going to New York City for the fashion industry, but obviously I needed to earn a living too, like while I was getting my degree. And so I got into I got into bartending again and I bartended there for 14 years. I lasted once I got my degree, I lasted in the fashion industry for about 10 months. And then people were like, oh, so you're leaving New York? I'm like, New York is not the problem. It's this, <laughs> it's this industry. So after designing uh, men's and unisex accessories for Old Navy for about 10 months, I um, quit that in a ball of fire and went back to bartending with renewed and greater conviction. <laughs> but beer had not taken a hold. Right. So I had to wait. I had to be much more patient until there were actually, there were some beer bars and they were doing a good job. But um, people just didn't know what I was talking about. Are, are you responsible for Old Navy performance fleece? <laughs> no, but I killed it with the backpacks. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, did, I made them so much money that fall. Um, Those commercials still haunt me. Performance <laughs> fleece. But you were among the uh, first in New York to really focus on beer. Like you were. We, yeah, we I talked was an about anomaly. this before. Yeah, you were. Um, which is what we're getting. To. Factions anomalies. It's the next beer we're going to drink. Yeah. But no, I was an anomaly in that um, I knew so much about beer. I was from Chico. I mean, Chico, California is my hometown. Any good breweries so, out there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I wasn't a big beer drinker in high school, and I. But Sierra Nevada's logo was like it was just indelible on my brain. Yeah, I just I had seen this industry that I loved and was asking, "When's the beer festival? And who are the breweries?" And people were like. They used to have one of those, but I, the brewery, that brewery closed, and this, I had to explain the concept, and I was like, I have to be patient. But when it finally started, when Captain Lawrence Brewery opened up in Westchester, um, that's when I saw things start to shift. He had actually trained at Sierra Nevada. He was from Westchester, brought his, what he'd learned out in the world in the Pacific Northwest, and, um, and in Northern California, brought it back to New York. And started Captain Lawrence, and I happened. I had one of your experiences, Greg, where I did you stumble randomly stumbled upon one yeah, of the very first the kegs um, that he had sold to a beer bar in the East Village called DBA, and I just happened to take a couple friends there, and I um, tried that beer, and I went, "Wait, who? What is this?" And he, I was like, "Something is shifting," and I've told him, I've told Scott Vaccaro for years. He's the owner, brewmaster, like. You were the one who marked that change in New York City. Um, but then, of course, just like Colorado back in the day and in some of these markets like Los Angeles, once it starts to move, you know, then it's a snowball effect. And mm. so that took place. But it was like they needed me for a while. I, I could actually sell people. I could connect people to the right beer for them. And there weren't yeah. a lot of bartenders who were like me that way. So 
Um, I felt like I had a purpose and a place there. And by the time I ended up deciding to leave, I felt like it was in pretty good hands. There were a lot of people who had embraced craft beer and knew what they were talking about on the service end and could be the advocates for these amazing breweries that the, the market really needed because, you know, people didn't even have the, the vocabulary to ask for what they were looking for. And so, right. you know, I kind of, I had a handle in helping to educate people, even though maybe they didn't even realize they were being educated. Well, New York, you're welcome. <laughs> we got her right here. Do either of you have any experience brewing? I mean, home brewing with, you know. I'll take it. Yeah. Not, not professionally in any okay. way. As but, long as it's uh, not a Mr. Beer kit. Yeah. We've, we've definitely done some collaboration beers where we're helping out. But really what that is, is drinking beer and watch the professionals work. You know, it's my favorite so. day. Yeah, it's a lot of waiting around for something to happen. Yeah. it's really <laughs> yeah, not. I mean, I've I've done I've sat in on lots of brews, and um, it's I have no interest in actually brewing. I want to be an advocate for the people who've made that their passion. I actually brewed a really really bad beer one time. It was a. Yeah. Uh, um, I so did I. The, it was it was it was a a wee heavy. Oh, and it was wee bad. It was it was a lot bad. Um, and uh, the 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 brew kettle that I was 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 brewing on was an old keg, which is you know pretty common. Yeah. And there was no there was just lines kind of carved with a dirty screwdriver on the inside of the inside of the keg, right? For your gallon it's just like for, for gallons, yeah. right? And for some reason, I thought the uh, fourth line was the fifth line. And so, oh. and so I only added four gallons of, of water to this thing. Sure. And so what I ended up with was a, was a wee heavy that was, had, was so malty and so bitter. And um, I let it age in my <laughs> garage for, I, I mean, probably year four. It actually started to dry out enough okay. to, where, to where you could actually take a couple of sips without sure. feeling a little bit nauseous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my one contribution to the wood beer world. <laughs> I actually have one where um, a buddy and I finally got around to like trying to homebrew in New York one time, and we made what I called "ugly baby IPA," a beer <laughs> only a mother could love. Yeah. <laughs> Any homebrewers in the in the audience here? <laughs> we've we've all made those beers, all right? right? Yeah. yeah. My most expensive beer is the worst beer I've ever made. So. <laughs> right. Boy, was that a disaster. Right. Why such a love for craft? Like, how did, how did, obviously you have a background in, in, uh, well, in bartending, in restaurants. You were selling beer, but like, why such a passion for craft? It's the people in in the industry. That's what it is. It's not, I mean, yes, we like to drink beer. Yes, we, you know, of course. But um, really what it boils down to is while you're drinking the beer, the conversations you're having, the people you're meeting, the the community that is around it. That's that's really why we're in it and why we do yeah. what we do. Long before I Yeah, absolutely. Long before I met I met Aaron and I was in this world, I've been saying the same thing, and that was one of the things we agreed on um, with all of this, that it's way more about the people. Like the lit like, yes, I know my beer. I'm, you know, I'm pretty opinionated about it but it's so much less about the liquid and more about the humans behind the liquid so it's always when i would try to like connect people to beer it's also like i'd try to throw in a little information about the like the the brewery or the person behind it or what like what they were just to give it a human aspect because people weren't making that connection back when i was you know first getting people on board and in new york 
it was like they were still just looking at it as this isolated thing that they didn't understand in a glass. And it's like, no, but if you start to know about the humans, then it becomes kind of brings it to life. Yeah. In a different way. Yeah. And to that, to that point, um, this beer list that Jen mostly organizes, but I, also, I, I have a, I have a hand in it too. It's really based on our relationships in the business. Not so much, uh, the hype that is around breweries specifically. Yeah. We happen that those often line up where our friends are also somewhat of those hype breweries, but yeah, they don't, but suck. we're not seeking yeah. the hype first. We're seeking their relationships and the people that have been in the, in this industry for a long time. That's really our focus. Well, that's where I was going to go to next. I don't know if you guys here and, and at home listening uh, know this, but Aaron doesn't just order kegs from breweries he likes. He drives around like a crazy person. True. All throughout the state. <laughs> Very crazy. Developing, yeah. <laughs> developing relationships, getting kegs. I mean, talk about how you, how you work on these. You yeah. Know, I so mean, you, you get kegs that never leave a tap room. That's kind of our niche. Yeah. Um, if we can help it, it, we are most of our our beer that we have on tap are beers from breweries that are like that, where they essentially they do very little distribution. If they do any distribution at, at all, it's a right outside of it's it's self distro out in a radius around their brewery. And so you know, I pay attention to that. A lot of the breweries that we go and travel for are the the breweries that I'm like kind of. You know, I see I see what happens out there in the beer world, and I kind of cross reference Jen and I talk about that that who that brewer, brewer is. We kind of do our research, and then we kind of go out, go go down that road by sitting in the tap room, tasting, getting to meet the people, and that it's a lot more about that. You know, we want to have a relationship with them first. We're not sure. just asking right away. One of the things Aaron hasn't mentioned about his previous restaurant, Smoke, was that he was sort of. He wasn't an expert going in on craft brewed beer, but he um, took that seriously. He ended up taking that seriously before most people in yeah, Santa Cruz were true. doing that. So between his connections up in Northern California, having been in that position, and in Santa Cruz in particular, he's like the, you know, the one who's, in fact, a mutual brewer friend uh, is the mutual friend who introduced us originally. That's so true. we yeah. have Luke Taylor from Coralitos Brewing to thank for all of this, this room does. Um, because if he hadn't introduced the two of us, this never would have happened. That's but um, he, So Aaron had those connections and I had other connections from all my time. So between the two of us, we kind of got to start Fluid State from a, a starting point that most beer bars don't get to start. Yeah, a lot of that's one of the things that was a big question for us when we were first uh, had this idea was okay, we're obviously kind of kind of old timers in this in this industry, you know, and there's a lot of beer bars and a lot of places that are opening up that seem they don't have the um the the her- heritage that we have in the industry. Yeah. But we had this thought of like does that even matter anymore? You know, because like in a in an age of like, you know, okay, I'm going to this is going to be controversial, Here maybe. We go. <laughs> but in, in, an, in an age of like, you know, beers that were coming out for a while, they're, of, they're like lactose, sour IPAs and stuff like that. It's like, you it's can like say it, 450 North, where, right? Where, where it's like, you know, the people that are drinking those beers are people that don't have a palate for beer. I hate to say right. it, well, but it's sweet like, and, they're just, they're yeah. just like, they're like beer for babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, and so it's like, it's like, okay, that, that exists out there. Those people are making money. Those people are successful. I mean, at least on the surface, they look like they are. And so we had this thought of is, is uh, what we're going to bring to the table here with our relationships and all this, like, you know, 
all this like big stuff that we're talking about. Does it even matter? We really did have that conversation one time. It's like, are we going to like, is this going to just sound really, really like, you know, we're just uh, better than everybody else or something. And, and we don't feel we are until I'm, you know, talking about <laughs> sometimes I do, but, <laughs> but the point is, said it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, is like, is like we do have that history yeah. and we did want to have a place that's highlighted those relationships. And so uh, it turns out it does matter, which is nice, you know, cause we took that risk. We, and of course we do carry um, a lot of those quote unquote hype styles. Mm-hmm. It's just when we're getting a pastry stout from rip brewing, it's like there, we just trust that those guys know, like they, they're going to, they're going to give it the right um, application, all these adjuncts. There's going to, like, there are a bunch of breweries who we deal with who, like, they're doing it in this way where it's still in balance. You know, it comes back to balance. So it's kind of like the best representation of a hype style that Aaron and I can find, in our right. opinion. And this, obviously, this is all our opinion. You right. know, we are imposing our opinion through fluid state onto the people who walk in this door. We make our margarita the way we like our margarita. We make, you know, like it's not, you know, it's like, okay. It's like, not for everybody. There's and no we're, sours mix here. We're actually and okay with that. We you know? And we, when it comes to our ciders that we have on the list, we always have a couple cider or now hard kombucha seltzer type alternatives. We don't like sweet really that much. And so anybody, like it took a while for the, that's part of what Aaron was talking about before when it came to like, people figuring this out, what we were doing sort of over time. It was like people were hesitant at first and maybe would have a beer and then they started to look at the pizza and trust the idea of the pizza. And then they started to like, then they kind of got word that maybe the margarita wasn't so sweet and they were like, oh, maybe I'll try one. And then it started to broaden in this slow way. And the cider drinkers were real slow at first. And yet then they started to realize, oh, we don't, you know, like, oh, they kind of have the palate I have. Sure, that the angry orchard people don't drink our cider. <laughs> I don't angry. know if they're coming in. <laughs> they're I still don't know angry. If, yeah. I, they're still angry and they might be down the block. Yeah. But, um, but the people, then we got, we gained the confidence of the people who started to understand. It's like, it's almost like a movie reviewer well, whose opinion you start yeah. to so like. Let, fall me, in let line me just with. add to that, which, which is, you know, kind of our philosophy on, on this business. It's kind of like, um, you know, my, my opinion is when you, you try to make a place that, uh, that takes everybody into consideration, you kind of make a place for nobody because you just, you, it's okay to have an opinion in this industry and, and to kind of like, this is, this is the niche we carved out and we realize that it's not for everybody. Of course, you know, like there's, you know, the guy that is, that's drinking Bud Light, he's probably not going to, I mean, we, we might have a style that he would like, but he probably won't believe it. Um, and, and so we're not for that guy. We're not necessarily for the, for the people that want a sweet, a sweet cider. Yeah. I don't think he's going to drink the mango tangerine (laughs) cherry dream. And we, but he might drink the Hellas. I'm just saying, um, anyway, he won't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. (laughs) Right. But the point is, is like my philosophy is, um, I think it's good business to, to decide this is the path we're going to take. Yeah. And, and, and kind of stick, stick to that and not, and not waver. Cause of course we had a lot of people, I mean, we could talk for hours the about big, that. The big thing was no TVs. No TVs. That's the oh. one that we always go back to. Yeah. Where, and Aaron and I are so proud of the fact that fluid state is, current fluid state is so close 
to what our business plan was when we had to write a business plan, when we kind of had a shell of a building to work with and like our vision, because we decided our philosophy was let's try to be as true to our vision as possible. And if we have to, we'll open it up in like concentric rings, you know, of like what we can compromise. that's not going to kill us or make us, you know, like take our souls. And we really haven't had to make too many compromises, if any, because Ventura supported what we thought they might support. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you to this room. (laughs) So building on all of that, uh, I I love that you guys have picked out just the styles you like. You're not going to... It's hard to recommend something you don't enjoy. So it totally makes sense. Have there been breweries that have come to you and said, we want our kegs in your establishment? You don't have to name names unless you want to. No. And then you go, uh, <laughs> nope, sorry. Well, yeah. We're, so one thing that um, came into play with that, of course, that happens for sure. But you know, me having been a beer salesman, I have great respect for the people that are on the streets trying to come in and sell, sell their beer. Yeah. Right. So we, we always treat them with respect. We, we never go like, yeah, psh, that beard sucks. We're not ever going to, you know, whatever we're, we're, you know, we're like, you know, we understand the struggle. We understand how, how hard it is to do that job. So usually actually Jen is usually the one that has to give them the bad, bad news. She's the I, nice uh, one. Yeah. Well, I'm the one who, yeah, I'm the one who's dealing with the reps and those are hard conversations, but I think that they're important for res- like out of like, the respect that Aaron and I have for their job, I just don't want them wasting time. If I'm wishy-washy and I'm like, oh, well, not right now, I don't know, and then they just like put me on their list and they show up every month and then it's this awkward conversation. So I usually try to just like have, I have, I tear the Band-Aid off and I say, (laughs) yeah, you know, um, there's nothing wrong, like, well, if there's something wrong Sometimes with the beer, is. I'll tell them, but <laughs> I'll be like, there's nothing wrong with this beer. But uh, one of the things I use that sometimes it sinks in and sometimes it doesn't is I kind of reference that wall of the beer that we have. And I'm like, you want me to carry this IPA and look at what it's going to stand up against. Like, I'm like, we've got rip wannabe wallaby up there. It's like, you, you know, like I don't, it's not going to be good for you or your beer, or me, or my customers, if your beer sits there languishing on a line because the other beers it's sitting next to are fresher and more unique and something. And I'm like, there's so many other uh, bars who are looking for distro and who are, and their customer doesn't have the same sort of discerning palate. And so it ends up being this kind of conversation where most of the time they come out going, okay, I get it. The other conversation we have to have is with independence in brewing oh, because yeah. um, we have, there are plenty of breweries who in the six and a half years, they, we carried them and then they sold. And I, we hold no grudges. It's like, hey, if you're going to sell, um, yeah. d- make a bunch of money and yeah. cash out, cash that's, out. That that's your choice and that's fine. But... We made a conscientious decision before we opened about how we feel on the subject. They don't need us anymore. And so we really do stand our ground and carry independent breweries. And yeah. that, that actually goes for venture capitalist owned, you know, the, those options too. Because then, then it got kind of hairy with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Um, all right, before we get to, we have a lot of listener questions. So thank you guys, everybody who submitted before we do that, yes, we have one more beer to try. Yes, let's try it. 
Okay, so this beer is Faction Brewing Anomaly. Um, it's a particular style. If you guys are drinking this, it's one of our favorite versions, probably the, our favorite version of the style. Um, this is a blonde milk stout on nitro. It's got cocoa nibs. It's got coffee. It's got lactose. Darianas. It is just, it, the reason why it's called Anomaly is it tastes, if you, if you close your eyes and drink it, it actually tastes like a stout, um, but it's kind of amber blonde in color. It's, uh, it's a weird one. This, well, Aaron was going to talk about not the first version. Who are you giving credit to? Uh, Noble. Yeah, when and not just Noble Ale Works, but when Evan Price Evan was Price. the brewmaster of Noble Ale Works. Evan Price of Green Cheek Brewing, if you guys have had that beer here, um, one of our favorite breweries on the planet. And one of our favorite people, people. in the industry, Absolutely. too, and an incredible talent. And he worked for, he's another one who worked for other people for a long time. He was with, I believe it's called Taps. Fish and Fish, yeah, yeah. Brew House, something like that. He was winning awards for them, and then he moved over to Noble in Orange County and um, kind of put them on the map before he ended up leaving and starting Green Cheek. And again, now he's doing his, his own thing for himself, and we're so happy for him and support him. But when he was working for Noble, he is the one who created Naughty Sauce, which is kind of a famous... Um, you know, blonde milk stout on nitro. And so he sort of, I mean, I'm going to give him credit, though he might argue with me when I see him um, later this month at the GABF. I think he invented it. And it definitely was a beer in Southern California that, um, you know, turned heads. And so then it became a thing. And now our friend Roger Davis up at Faction, and he did Anomaly is his, and we love it. Yeah, it's just a little less sweet and has a little more bitterness from the coffee and the cocoa than Naughty Sauce. Naughty I think Sauce it's just is just more balanced. Again, we is. go back to balance. Na- Naughty Sauce is a fantastic beer, but um, it's a beer from years ago. I mean, I don't know, 2012. 2012. I was wow. looking at it before the show. I was gonna, I, thought, I was gonna yeah. say 10, but that sounds like a long time ago. But it's actually not that. I long. could be wrong, but I found 12 <laughs> somewhere. I was like, okay. wow, it's been around forever. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, what was happening in beer in 2012? Right, a lot of different things. Yeah, and um, so. Beer's gotten better, I think. Um, yeah, and better, so this, more balanced. More balanced. And so that's uh, anomaly re- kind of represents. But um, they are, they're dear friends, and he, he's talented. And we love when we get to have faction beers up here um, because they are other people who worked for, worked for other. Um, there's a theme here. Yeah. People who've worked for other breweries for a long time. He was with Drake's and Triple Rock in, um, in the East Bay. He worked, like Claudia worked for 21st Amendment. She was behind the bar for years. And then, you know, the two of them as a married couple, they decided to finally um, do their own thing. They ended up acquiring a hangar um, next to Hangar 1, you know, hangar, and, and next to um, St. George. St. George Distillery, which is where Hangar Run spun off of, mm-hmm. but on the former naval base. So their, their trajectory, their, their um, journey to actually get that brewery open was nuts because they're dealing with government property and they're opening up a brewery and it was just crazy um, and continues to be crazy for them sometimes. Yeah. And back to the beer. I mean, this it's exactly what you said. It's, it's that more balanced version Mm -hmm. of naughty sauce. It's not so sticky and sweet, right? The coffee shines through a little bit more. It's delicious. This is really good. First time I've had this one. All right. We got some listener questions, some audience questions. Thank you, everybody. Strap in. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to screw up some names. The Duranies ah. asked, 
If you only had one beer to drink for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Also, I, what's your favorite Beatles album? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen, you first. Rubber Soul. <laughs> That's my favorite Beatles album. <laughs> no, what's, what, what's the beer? I'm avoiding that question. I don't want to answer that question. Uh, can we, let's broaden out. How about style? Uh, it'd be a, a lager. Okay. Yeah. Rest of my life. And I, I, I'm still an IPA girl, a West Coast IPA girl. I want to drink beers that are the best representations of the style that I can find. But if you are going to go back to something, I'd go back to IPA. All right. Yeah. This one comes from Kevin. Kevin says, what would your final meal be and what would you pair with it? It's such a hard one. I think I would probably go... <laughs> uh, I'd probably go with like a roast chicken. Like, right. a, like a really, really good roast chicken with crispy skin and like mashed potatoes and gravy yes. and, and like a nice crispy salad, you know? Yeah. And what beer with that? Yeah. Probably a Hellas Lager. Yeah. Jen? A, a liter of Hellas Lager. Oh, don't cut yourself short. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever Aaron's cooking that night. Uh, <laughs> oh. Roast chicken. <laughs> yeah, which I guess is a chicken. Yeah. This comes from, I think this is Black Pan. And it says, what is the maximum seating capacity of your mustache? <laughs> One. <laughs> Good answer. That was close. That was close. You can see the blushing through the mustache. <laughs> Jen, do you think beer has the power to save the world? What am I, like a Miss America candidate? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Don't forget the wave. <laughs> I didn't write these. All I, all I know, I don't know about that, but all I know is that beer obviously draws communities together. Yeah. This comes from the D's. What do you think it is that contributes to Fluid State's ferocious popularity? <laughs> Charcuterie board? Or? Um, it's a lot of things. It's a, it's, and, and that's a great compliment. Um, and we're, believe me, we're... We don't take it for granted, but I think it is a, it's all the things. It's like, it's like the beer list and the bartenders and the pizza and the charcuterie board and the, and it's not any one thing. It's like kind of how they all work together. And, and I feel like, you know, fluid state can be a place you can make it for whatever you want. It could be a, a date night. It could be a family day. It could be, you know, 30 people can walk in here and actually like find a place to sit I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, it's kind of choose your own adventure kind of thing. And so there's something about this concept where um, it's, it's whatever you want to make it. And, and that's why it's popular, I think. Yeah. I think you nailed it. We'll start with Jen, but both of you. Should IPAs be hazy or clear? Oh, jeez. Clear. I'm a West Coast girl, <laughs> you know, at heart. West and side? I love the beauty of a nice, clear IPA that's yeah. in balance like we were talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I've never been a fan of the style, the, the, the hazy, hazy style. Um, so I'm definitely in the same, same opinion. There have recently been some hazy beers that have, have 
surprised me, you know? Um, sure. And, but the problem with that style has been historically, it's just an excuse for poor beer making. <laughs> I mean, that's just an Ruh-roh. opinion, obviously. That's, but that's some of the breweries. Now, some, the breweries who we carry Fair enough. Yeah. are not making, those are not accidents. Um, but that there fluffy, that, I mean, I've yeah. actually asked a couple brewers of note. I'm like, um, so let me ask, is this where your mind was? Where I tasted their first, some of their first hazy IPAs. And I was like, I tasted it and I laughed because I was like, I know what was going through his head. I don't know if I can swear. Oh, absolutely. Oh, fine. Like, fuck it. I'll do one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you guys, I'm going to do it my way. And it ends up being basically a West Coast IPA in disguise. Clear. You know, <laughs> And sure enough, the hazy IPA drinkers, like Aaron's talking about, a lot of them really, like, they're so attached to that and what that means to them. But they're open to, like, really good brewing, even if it is a little more bitter and yeah. it has a little more hot presence. And, and so it ends up being, like, this, like, compromise that they make. And those crack me up. Yeah, those are some of my favorite hazies are from the people who don't want to make hazies. Right. Uh, this one comes from LD. For Jen, what is your favorite fluid state fact? Um, that we um, had to stop making pizza on day three, day four of fluid state mm-hmm. after a year of buildup because our mixer broke. Oh. So actually, the there was first- a, there was a lot of reasons. Just not that was well, a nice. That was, that was a convenient excuse. Of, there were lots of reasons, <laughs> but the, um, but we ended up doing. We were a tri-tip. So going back to your meat thing, like yeah. we ended up being a tri-tip meat. restaurant for five days in the first week we were open. Oh, <laughs> that's a fun fact. That sounds amazing. Actually, it ended up being very serendipitous. The day the day uh, the edible article came out on us. Uh, that had a great picture of a pizza on the front and, and just talking about the sourdough and. Hyping all that up was the day we couldn't make pizza. And so people came in here pretty pissed off and they were just like, what is, what is up with this place? Oh, fluid state. Okay. You're just going to change it all the time or whatever. We had a real problem with our sourdough starter because I was experimenting at home with this, with the starter and it was lovely. Everything was great. I was making loaves of bread and pizza and it was awesome. And then um, I brought the starter into our brand, brand new commercial kitchen, which was a, uh, a, a construction zone. And if you know anything about sourdough starter, it actually feeds itself from the yeast and the bacteria that are floating in the air. It's just a, it's a, it's like a, it develops this homeostasis. And, it, and I brought this beautiful starter into this desolate wasteland of fluid state. <laughs> and it just basically was like, fuck you. I'm not doing this anymore. And so I had to, I had to, I, I was, it's kind of nerdy what the process was, but essentially I couldn't make good pizza dough. And so I had to kind of re like give the starter some love and actually just kind of feed it and make it happy. And that took about five days. But the Hobart did break. The, the Hobart did break at the same time, but that, that was the convenient excuse that I put on social media. Don't right. believe anything on social media. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> it was a yeast. It really did break. It and did, it took but I, five days no, to get but, it back. But the thing is, is that morning I made dough by hand. The mix was broken. I would have kept doing that had the dough been open. Well, he's had a carpal tunnel ever since. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, For both of you, real quickly, Star Wars, Alien, or Terminator? Star Wars. Alien. (laughs) Alien. This one, I think, purposely comes from Anonymous. It says, when will Fluid State have ranch? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I have forbidden Aaron. I will take credit for this. I make I great have, ranch, too. He makes great ranch. I'm sure of it. I've never had it. But um, I'm like, the truth is we can't because ranch is a crutch for bad pizza. In oh! Well. And there are too many people who just do that. It's like the... It's like that whole adage of like adding salt to the soup before you've tasted it. It's like you don't know if it needs yeah. it yet. So I'm a I'm a little less I'm a little less of, of that opinion, although I think the strategy on our our part to not do ranch initially was the right one. Now I'm feeling as though we we could have some really good ranch sometimes. Maybe we make it like a like a special day. Oh yeah. You know, or where we <laughs> Come on out for Thursday ranch night, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's just, yeah. But um, I mean, I, I actually like ranch, uh, yeah. but good ranch, not not the ones you buy in a bottle. But no, that doesn't count. But um, but like the original recipe of ranch from originally from Santa Barbara, that's damn good salad dressing. So you know, yeah. like you know, All never right. know. Well, there you go, anonymous, whoever you were. <laughs> Maybe when Jen's out of town. Yeah. <laughs> You'll always know when Jen's on vacation. (laughs) Ranch is mysteriously on the menu. Sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap it up with some very quick rapid fire questions. We're going to go Jen, Aaron, each time. Very quickly. First thing you can think of. What was the first beer you ever drank? Black Label. Carling's Black Label. Um, Lucky Lager. Uh, Favorite beer and food pairing? I'm honestly not good at food and beer pairings. (laughs) Um, Pepperoni pizza with Casa Luciana olives and a West Coast IPA. Oof, sounds amazing. It's Wednesday night. What are you drinking? A can of IPA on my couch, but it's an IPA from like Highland Park nice. or um, everywhere. Like whoever is great, but I usually like reserve that for after dinner. Well, clearly, yeah. You know, Grigio. All right. <laughs> Throwing a wrench. Throwing a wrench. <laughs> what is your beercation destination? I want to take Aaron to Brussels because he hasn't seen it, and I really want to go back and have that experience again with the Belgian beers. Yeah, I want to go to Germany, and I just want to drink lagers. Yeah, so I can't do it anymore. Do <laughs> they carry you out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite non? We're gonna say non-beer, but also non-restaurant, non-beer hobby. What was that question? Favorite non-beer hobby. What do, what do you like doing that doesn't oh, involve hobby. beer? I thought you said hobby. That's And I was like, what's your favorite I don't hobby? I understand what that. Yeah. Um, I've been drinking. Oh, no, then me too. Um, I'm hoping to get back into sewing. Okay. Um, I like, I, I, I have this like fanatical love of, of old cars. And so I am constantly, uh, either, either working on one currently or looking for one to buy and, and work on. And so if I could just do that all the time, I'd, that'd be a, that'd be a joy. Life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite guilty pleasure beer. Yeah. This is where we find out that you love PBR. (laughs) I don't know. There isn't one that I'm hiding where I'm like, Oh, I don't want anyone to know. But I do own a PBR T-shirt that I don't wear all the time around here. For so maybe reasons. that was like yeah. my weird little like, hmm, somehow I'm hiding PBR. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen her drink a PBR. Maybe well, Nashville. Nashville, I saw you drink. Yeah, okay. I think you get um, shot if you don't drink one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the law, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll happily buy... A, 
a case of glass bottles of Modelo. Okay. And, and I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll drink the shit out of that beer. I love it. Yeah. Uh, favorite hangover cure? You know the goodies in a, like a little paper fold? <laughs> it's an aspirin in powder form, so it looks really weirdly illicit. That stuff does sort of work. Do you snort it or no? No, no. You just you just throw it down your gullet. Oh, okay. It's like crazy, and that one goes back to the '90s, like my early Colorado days, where that was like a hangover cure. I mean, for me, it's more hydration. So I just like you know. We've hit that age where hydration's the the key. Electrolyte yeah, it. And I feel I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys get hungover? <laughs> no, I don't like uh, to brag about it. But <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I'll just. I'll just lay on the couch and wait for Jen to get up and 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 then complain and ask for water. <laughs> That's my cure. All right. And finally, what is your favorite word or slang for being drunk? I don't I I mean, I guess I use hammered a little more than I use any other. Okay. But I I feel like I've Classic. got some clever ones somewhere in my receptacles and I can't go. <laughs> yeah, same, wasted. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Buzzed up. Jitter. Yeah. <laughs> Classics. I mean, you can't go yeah. wrong with the classics. Uh, all right. That is everything. I want to thank everyone for coming out. Please, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Once again, thank you to Jerry of Daughters of Nankasi for setting this all up. Thank you guys for coming on your day off. I don't know what's wrong with you, but I appreciate it. <laughs> if you guys listening at home haven't been... Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, if you guys haven't you. been to Fluid State yet, we're in Ventura. It's 692 East Main Street. It's on the corner of like where all the outside this stops which is like easy to find. Mm -hmm. So 692 East Main Street on the Grams at Fluid State on Facebook, Fluid State Beer Garden. Did I miss anything? Nope. Thank, thank you guys you. so much. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for the beer. And thank you, thank everybody you that came out. Hope everyone's staying hydrated out there. And uh, on that note, good night, everybody.